Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Nana Visitor from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. If you like what we're serving here at the Sci-Fi Diner, feel free to leave us a tip at patreon.com backslash sci-fi, spelled the right way, and by Audible. Get a free audiobook when you sign up today, audibletrial.com backslash sci-fi diner. Engage. Science fiction is an existential metaphor. It allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, where we serve up interviews, news, and our view on the world of science fiction. Come, grab a chair, and enjoy the conversations. I'd say we've got an unexpected guest. Rose, where we're going, we don't need Rose. I've got a bad feeling about it. Oh. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I am Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm M. Sierra Garcia. And tonight, we're going to give you probably one of the shortest shows we've done in a long time. Hey, that was great, guys. We're done. Okay. Um, Till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Do your dailies. <laughs> we're just kidding. No. We're, we're, <laughs> uh, we're back. Couldn't you hold it for like... I Two couldn't. We, do you know what I can do? It? Is I can edit that pause and make it longer. Fix it in post. Fix yeah, it fix, in it in post. <laughs> fix it in post. Right, right. Fix it in post. Every time um, you want to, you say, you can leave us a tip. I want to say, I'll give you a tip. Stop podcasting. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my stars! <laughs> no, that's what I. I just have these. Like, what tip can I give the diner? You're too loud. Level the volume. No, I'm just kidding. Here's a tip. Horse and control. <laughs> yeah. Here's a Here's tip. a tip. Make sure your gach is alive. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be one of those shows. So <laughs> here's a tip. Don't eat the special. <laughs> Check, please. You got the reference. That's wonderful. Nice. I'll have the soup. <laughs> Awesome. That you. was awesome. That was it's fantastic. I special. I'll have the soup. <laughs> Dude, that was great. Oh, man. Fantastic. Oh, well, it's great to be back here with you guys here on the diner as we uh, serve up whatever we're serving up tonight. It's always a good whole hot mess. <laughs> a what? A whole hot mess. A whole hot mess. A whole, yeah, something like that. Um, so, uh, Wow, it's been a little bit since we last talked, and uh, I feel like there, there's a lot that it's going to be a shorter. It is going to be a little bit shorter of a show because we're going to be sharing our interview with the Nav Visitor. We're going to talk a little bit about Lost in Space, which, um, yeah, Miles and I have watched, and Emma's watched, but uh, not as much as Miles and I have. And um, I'm just kidding. You mean you haven't <laughs> watched as much as I have? That's right. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about get M's thoughts on Ready Player One, and then we'll see where we go from there. Cool. Question. Yes. Shoot. Is it Nana or Nana? Like, uh, when we were at Farpoint, the way they pronounced it seemed to be Nana Visitor. That's the way I. Me, I have no idea. I'm I'm actually asking asking yeah. for hey, a friend who is I, me. I yeah. I you know what I I, I always wanted to say Nana Visitor, but um, I I'm apparently wrong. I, I've heard. Okay, Nana. The correct pronunciation is na na, yeah. Cool. It's the way Dave and I pronounced it in the uh, interview with her. So uh, and hopefully, and she approved. So 
<laughs> I'm sure she would have corrected you if. Uh, yes. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, awesome. So where do you want to start? Well, uh, you and I have seen the first episode of Lost in Space. M was ambitious and saw all of it. Yes. Because we're slackers. No, I was loyal to the oh. being a nerd. <laughs> oh. And watched the oh. whole thing. Wow. So um, uh, we're getting uh, – I'm going to hang up my podcasting headset now. Em, just go ahead, no. right? Oh, boy. <laughs> no, so – so let's talk about first episode first, and then if you want to talk in general about the series, um, we would love to hear your thoughts on that, too. Okay. So, first of all, how many here have watched the original Lost in Space series? I have. Me. You you have? I have mm-hmm. not. So I, I didn't have anything to compare it to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, having watched the original series and watching this... How did this come off to you? Oh, a biz- like there's there's no comparing because the original was very campy. It was very of the time. And this was this was like a serious endeavor. Everybody cared. No one. It was nothing cheeky. It was nothing. Um, it, it, it was genuine. It was incredibly good acting. Amazing visual effects. Some cheese. There's like minimal cheesiness, but it's not. It's the first one was a, just camp, you know, it was just funny and campy. This, this is, this was made by people who, who love, love and understand science fiction. And it, it's important. Like it's done really, really well. Well, good, good. And uh, what were, uh, you, do you share similar thoughts to what uh, M? With only, yeah. I only saw the first episode, but just, I mean, I, you know, M is right. They're, they're, they are, they're apples and oranges, basically. Um, I mean, the 60s version was a family show with kind of a sci-fi um, in a sci- science fiction setting. Um, in, in the 60s show, you had, you, you, the, the, the family life was, even though they were lost in space, uh, it was not a dysfunctional family. They were, you know... Uh, they had. They seem to have a good relationship on the show. This is totally opposite on the the Netflix version, and I'm not bothered by that. I think you know to create some drama and to see, you need to see this family um, be be able to build bridges and hopefully um, mend those relationships, not just. For the sake of the relationships, but also just to, just to survive, uh, they have they have to come together. That that's what I'm getting out from the first episode is that they're going to have to work through some of their issues so they can come together and, and survive while they're they're dealing with this. Mm. It's it's very real. Like just the family dynamic is very real to our times, and it's a blended family. Um, it just felt. I'm. I, I'm. A, I'm looking forward to watching it again. Hmm. What yeah. is that? That. Um. No. No. So I'm just thinking. When you said blended family, um, and now we don't. Uh, obviously, Miles and I don't have the context that you do, having watched all the episodes. Um, the obviously in the first episode, we're setting up a lot of backstory um, to kind of get us in, and with the flashback scenes and 
Uh, I did want to ask you, um, do do they continue doing the flashback scenes they did in the first episode, yes. or does that stop? Oh yeah, they continue. No, so that's a that's an element that they put of the show. Yes, uh, to kind of help tell the story. So. Yeah, because they, you also have to understand why they left Earth and what's going on. Right, and, and then we don't really get that in the first episode. No, and then I had a suspicion about two episodes from the end. And it when I was almost right, but it was just the the last episode. It just carried me through. I didn't even realize I had powered through the entire series till I realized, holy cow, it's eight o'clock at night. <laughs> um, I've been folding laundry. I've been cleaning. I've been like, it was amazing. Hmm. Yeah. So um, the how many episodes of Lost in Space are there? 10 10 so it's a 10 episode arc so Kiefer and I watched it and one of the things I was as I was watching people talk about it like in Facebook and they were saying that this is family friendly um at least in the sense that there wasn't a lot of vulgarities and it was uh fairly tame um in fact it wigged me out more than anything in the first episode when they cut open her leg mm-hmm. it was more of the thought of it than it was the actual seeing it because they don't really show much of it. No. Mm. Um, so I felt like Kiefer, it's a show that Kiefer can watch. And, uh, and so that was neat. So I, I made him sit down and watch it. He begrudgingly did so. And then after he goes, that wasn't too bad, dad. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, he can watch the whole thing. Yeah. And that's, fine. That was my understanding. So when we say family show, you were saying it was a family show is more, you're talking about the family drama itself everyone's getting along and yeah. in the old series. I mean, but, but both shows are, are products of their time. And so yeah. the yeah. 60s, mm-hmm. the 60s version was geared. I mean, I, I would think it's safe to say it was more of a family show. Uh, but by that, 60s. you mean it's a show where the family's functioning together. That, that, the, yeah. Yes. So not so much that a family can't sit down. And, like, I think a family could sit down and watch his show, mm-hmm. but that's not what you mean. I was just clarifying that. Okay. Um, the, the kids seem to be getting along real well at this the point. The kids are great. So it's, so when we talk about any dysfunction in the family, like I see it more in the parents. Yes. Then, and, and, and maybe the relationship yeah, with I, them. I was like, quiet now. I don't want to spoil <laughs> anything. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you've, yeah. You've 10% of the information you need. I know. I know. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> I out. like this. I like hearing your thoughts on it. <laughs> I it did makes like- you smile and giggle. I did like seeing Billy Mummy uh, make a cameo in the first episode. Uh, is it bad that I don't know who Billy Mummy is? Um, it, it, it might help you appreciate. Is uh, it the guy from the old series? Yeah, he's got. He, he played. He played and was the, he the doctor on the ship that was someone yeah. took his coat? Yes. Okay, um, so I know who the guy is. I did. Yeah. I wouldn't. Have, you could have said I wouldn't. I would not have pictured he was like. He played. The, he played the original Will Robertson in right. the uh, in the original. The kid. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. see, and I never realized, even from watching the movie, which is the only reference I have, is the movie that the William Hurt movie, um, is I didn't realize that Will Robinson was a kid, or I didn't remember it mm-hmm. at least. So, uh, I did like the encounter with the robot, and I didn't realize it was the robot until he comes walking down. Like I thought it was seriously an alien life form. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the way they built it, yeah. It, so it's a different robot. I mean, uh, it is. 
So yeah, but I mean, you know, like he came from. He's not their robot. He is. He's an alien robot. Right, That's, you know that. Yeah. Okay. So I figured that out. Well, when we get that because when Will Cat sees this, the 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 ship that's crashed, he realizes that it's not. Um, I think it's also interesting in the in the first episode that they showed that these robots were the ones that were destroying the station. Yeah. And so there's a story there that we haven't gotten yet that M knows, but we don't. Looking forward to uh, getting that story. Yeah. Oh my God! So good. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Oh yeah. So. Anyways, so that's that's my thoughts on. I, I like it. it I, I'm going to continue watching it when I have the time. Um, it's actually a balance right now between Doctor Who and that. And Kiefer is like a Doctor Who kick, so we sit down and watch something like Doctor Who. So we just finished the beginning of the third season. Oh wow! Oh good. So so you're on. It's Dave Tennant. David Tennant and Martha. Well, and Martha hasn't come in yet. We met Martha okay. in the end of season two. At the Torchwood, um, when they were crossing over the parallel universe before we lose Rose. Right. So that's not Martha. Yes. That's a different character played by the same actor. You got it. <laughs> so, okay. um, but that did throw me because I've forgotten that she had done that. And we met Donna. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the episode we just finished watching today. So Oh, the um the the bride one, the wedding yeah. one. Yep. I liked her as a companion. I say that's the shortest companion ever. She's not really a companion, but, but yeah. So, anyways, uh, so that's what we're watching. So it's going to be a toss between those two. But. Nice. Well, and it's on the it's on the Netflix. It's not going anywhere, right? We'll watch. You it. guys have time. Yep, absolutely. So. Oh yeah, I, I like I really like the first episode. I've felt drawn in. I want to see what yeah see what, what happens. First episode: girl stuck in ice. That was um, oh my god! That was harrowing, harrowing. Yeah, and and they played that so well, so well. I was like, (laughs) they're trying, and then it freezes over, and you're like, oh. Well, it's funny. The first thing the dad's like, you know, let send Will down, and he goes, "You trained for this," and it's like, he the kid looks totally scared, and we find out maybe he didn't train for this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Will is so endearing, and the the young man who plays Will is an amazing actor. And the whole time, I kept thinking the prequels would have been so much better if he would go back in time and play Anakin. <laughs> As young Anakin, you mean? Yeah, yeah. He was he. I oh, you gotta. I'm gonna stop. Well, All right. Have something to look forward to. Yeah. This yes. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Em, I want to find out what you thought about Ready Player One. And I saw some of your comments. Stop! I saw some of your comments on Facebook, but I wanted to hear it from you and find out uh, why, in your opinion, the movie did not work for you. See, I went in and uh, with Miles. And the only complaint I really had is that we were supposed to be watching it in 3D and the 3D projector crapped out on us. So, oh, that sucks. Yeah, and actually, in retrospect, I told Miles this. In retrospect, I'm kind of glad I didn't because there was so much happening that I wanted to see uh, that I would have. It had just been another distraction. So, but anyways, um, good good go. call on not seeing it in 3D because there is so much going on. Yeah. Um, my or, or initial reaction was that's different because it's very it's different from the book. Yes. 
I I'm really disappointed that they took out the whole plot line behind Ludus yes. and how the humble beginnings of of Wade finding um the first the 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 getting to the first key that it was that the first gate like the first challenge was on Ludus it was on a school planet right. because he wanted somebody young and pure of heart to get it instead it's this big race and i it takes away from some of the innocence and and specialness of what um what they wanted from and what they wanted from from what they wanted who they wanted to to find the the three keys and then i was disappointed that there wasn't more of ogden like um when they go to the nightclub there's it's ogden's birthday right and r2d2 is supposed to be spinning the spinning the wax <laughs> so to speak so that was a little different um but they still had the big fight scene which was great um i wanted a little more ogden morrow i wanted a little more uh, the holiday um i love that they turned the book that Wade had printed out of the holiday, like all of his reference stuff, right. Instead of it being like a reference book, he walked around with us in a binder. He actually, um, they had the big library, which was amazing. Yes. Um, and, and then it turned out that Ogden was the caretaker, right. which is even cooler. Um, what was it? I loved it. I rock was still a, a, still a dick. Um, <laughs> it was perfect. TJ Miller did such a great job. There was a point where the bad guy whose name escapes me, he got a little campy. He got a little cartoony for me. And then the evil girl, they just seemed, it just, it seemed very eighties Goonies style bad guy. And I, I wanted something a little bit more sophisticated, but then like my brother pointed out, he said, you, you, there's no, you cannot make this book into a movie Without really trimming things down and really, you know, you, you really have to flanderize some of the characters. So he was more evil than normal. And the Sixers were great. Seeing that perspective was really cool. And then the switching where it was Artemis um, who ended up locked up uh, with the Sixers instead of and helping from within that way instead of it being weighed and reprogramming the robot to carry that little bomb. And so it was, it was, I really enjoyed it. It was just kind of jarring for me to, to not see the things I was hoping to see. Yeah. You know, what I found is, so I, I had read the book probably when we last talked about it two or three years ago and uh, hadn't read the book since and intentionally didn't read it ahead of the movie because I knew there was no way they could do the book in the movie. Mm. Like there's just, there was too much. Um, however, after watching the movie, I went back and reread the whole book and I couldn't put it down again. It's just so, it's such a good book. It's and, fun. and reading it again, I agree with your brother. There's absolutely no way they could have made this book into the movie that I wanted to see. Not right. to, not to mention all the, all the logistics and rights nightmare to do all these franchises, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm a, I liked the movie. My son liked the movie. So that was important. I took Kiefer. And the only thing that had to cover his eyes is when they did the, um, the second trial when it was the, um, the, the shining. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That was a little bit freaky. So I covered his eyes till that was done. Um, 
I would have much rather seen like War Games or, you know, yep. Holy Grail. But again, that was probably a rights thing is my guess. Probably. But Or it just would take it would have taken too long to tell that story. Because right. like for War Games, he had to play the whole movie. Right. So <laughs> And this is just a scene in a sense. And there was no way again, yeah. there was no way they could do that in the confines of a two and a half hour movie. Right. I still, I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. I've seen it twice. The first time I went to see it, it was funny. Um, I was at the movie theater and I had heard somebody call my name and I had skipped out of work early <laughs> to go and see it. <laughs> and I was like, and I was thinking like, who, who could that be? It was, I heard it was my sister-in-law and standing next to her was my brother. And then here wander up my two nephews and oh. we were all in the same theater watching the movie. Oh, that's fun. That and what I loved even more is that they had they knew the book and we were discussing like salient points of the book. And just ever since those little guys were born, I was I couldn't wait for the day where we could have these kind of, you know, in-depth weirdo conversations and enjoy each other's company. And it was was really fun. So on that level, it was it was enjoyable to me also for the opportunity it gave me to like goof off with my nephews. How, how old are your nephews now? 13. Okay. So like after watching the movie, I began to play the audiobook in the car and Kiefer, Kiefer's like, you can't play this book without me. <laughs> so, so I just, I bookmark where we're at and then I finished it. And then, now I'm going to listen to the rest of rest of it again with him. He, he goes, after one time listening, he goes, Dad, I'm learning tons of new cuss words. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my stars. <laughs> because uh, it's a, quite a colorful language that Wade and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> that Wade has. Wade and H and all that. But Oh, and H was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I loved the, char- the avatar. I loved the actress. Loved it. Yeah. H was the best. I, uh, I do agree... I like the scene where Parsifal, you know, infiltrates the Sixers stronghold, like in the real world. Mm. Um, and I thought that was very well done. And then how that leads to, you know, basically saving Artemis and, and um, uh, the Asian guy, I forget. Um, in the, uh, oh, sh- uh, Shoto. And- Shoto. Shoto. So when yeah, they're well. in the book together, they're called Daisho, which okay. is the two swords together. Right. There's Shoto and yeah. and Daisho. But Daisho dies. Right, in the book. Yes. And then so Shoto is the one that they rescue there at the end and they all end up at at, at Ogden Moro's house. So Right. Yeah. I, I thought the I thought Simon Pegg playing Ogden Moro was great. Mm-hmm. He did a fantastic he was a he was perfect for that role. I didn't realize he was I didn't know he was in it. So that was a nice surprise, and I'm pretty sure he geeked out like, "Oh my god, I'm in this!" Because he's 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 basically us, just really, really, really rich, right? Yeah, <laughs> right, right, and an actor, and you know all those sorts of things, so. Hollywood and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's fantastic, and I thought that the guy they had to play um, Ogden's par- partner, uh, uh, Halliday, I thought that he mm-hmm. did well. He wasn't an actor that I really. Oh, he was great. He did. He did a fantastic job with that. We talked about this film didn't rely on a lot of big names to carry it. Simon Pegg and mm-hmm. the guy that played the villain were probably the biggest names. Yeah. See, and the guy who played the villain never seen him before. Sure, you did. Ro, uh, Rogue One. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, he was Captain White Cape. Yep, yep he was Captain White Cape. I don't, you, I don't know if you saw <laughs> uh, The King. Um, I mean, I saw... Uh, uh, Darkest Hour. Uh, uh, well, the Winston Churchill movie. Yeah, he played the king in that. Okay. I have not seen The Darkest Hour. I do. I just, it's on my list of movies that I want to see. It was very good. Yeah. Well, I definitely do want to see that. So, uh, Well, anything else going on in our uh, sci-fi world here? We have about five or five to ten minutes before we need to wrap up. I watched that movie Titan on, on uh, Netflix, the new sci-fi movie. Okay. What's yeah, that one you don't about? Have to watch it. Oh, really? Thanks for taking it for the team. It was just, it was disappointing. Like the, it was beautiful and it was a neat concept. However, the storytelling was bad. There were three huge gaps in it that really kind of upset me, but it's a neat concept. Basically, um, the planet's going to, to hell in a handbasket. Um, They've discovered that Titan, one of the moons of Jupiter, is a great option. Is it Jupiter? Saturn. Saturn, thank you. One of the moons of Saturn, great place for us to colonize because it has an atmosphere. And it has liquid formed, but it's mostly methane. And instead of trying to figure out how to terraform the planet to meet our needs, they were trying to bioform the human body to a creature that could handle the high nitrogen and high methane uh, environment and the low light. So Hmm. it was interesting. If you're really bored and have nothing else to watch, it's a good watch, but (laughs) I would not go out of your way. Uh, So uh, if I'm bored, nothing else to watch. I have have plenty that I'm not watching that I need to watch. So I don't think I'm going to be in that situation for quite some time. So you'll see it in like three years. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) If maybe like, when kids move out of the house or something, then maybe. No, they'll be with you forever. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. But yeah, so um, I've been watch. I continue to watch. What is it? Spaceship Yamato. Yeah, Space Battleship Yamato. Yeah, yeah, so I've been continuing to watch that series. We're now out of the solar system. It, uh, that is one- that a new? Is that a new Yamato? Uh, yeah, so they did an old one, and then they redid it in the past two or three years. Yeah, back in twenty. Well, you're familiar with the one from the seventies. This this yeah. one back. I think it was. I think it was twenty ten. Um, some company in Japan basically rebooted, basically, and so it, it's basically a, the same story, but modern animation. Um, I think the storytelling is a little better, a little tighter. They've added a lot more female characters to balance it out. Um, well, on the Funimation app, um, what they've been doing is they've been taking it because so far it had only been in uh, the, the the dialogue was only in Japanese with English subtitles. Well, they've now they're working on, on English dubbing all the episodes. They have almost all of them done now. Nice. Um, so I. Uh, Tune Scott into that, and Scott actually likes it. So that's yeah, cool. so I'm watching that oh, when I go cool. to the gym and uh, I run. So yeah, so uh, there's that. I downloaded a new Scalzi book. Which one? Well, Lock In. Okay. And he also that's new. Uh, what was that? That's new, new, new. Like just printed, right? Well, no. Say there's Lock In, and then there's Head On, and Head On is a sequel to Lock In. Lock In came out three or four years ago. So I just started it and I got it because again, Will Wheaton, 
your personal friend is narrating it. And, um, my personal friend. I, I know. And plus, Scalzi's referenced in, uh, Ernest Klein's, uh, Ready Player One. So, but, so there's that. Nice. But, uh, anything did you're you guys re- see? Did Go. you see Will Wheaton in the movie? In, uh, in Ready Player, Ready Player One? One? No. I don't remember. Tell us there's, more. There's a scene where Parsifal is looking in the mirror, and I think they're they're at H's like hangout, and on the wall is a campaign poster for Will Wheaton as vice president oh, I of, did, of the I, Oasis. I did oh, I see that. that. Oh. Well, and in the book, think he's, about it. in the book, he's actually one of the people in charge of the human rights of the Oasis. He's the vice president of the Oasis, yeah. In the book. And in the book, um, if you remember, there's a point where um, the, it's re-election time. So uh, Wade makes reference to voting for Will again. I've listened to this book a lot. I love, <laughs> this book. I love this story. And there's a lot of people who don't like it. They don't like the way the story's told. They don't like how the, the women, the female characters are handled. And I, I'm trying to see it from their perspective. Um because I I was curious about that, but I I those who did not like the book actually enjoyed the film. So I'm as much as I want all those special details in there for myself. I'm really pleased that it's an accessible film. My my sister in law didn't read the book. She totally had a blast. Yeah, and well, this is not her genre either. But you know, if you're a fan of pop culture back in the eighties, nineties, even even the seventies to some extent, this movie has it. Oh yeah, well, and I'm oh, glad yeah. I'm glad that it's done as well as it has. Like domestically, didn't did you know? But but worldwide, I mean, 400 million. It was the la- that was last week, so mm-hmm. it's done more since then, and it only cost them 175 million to make. So they made money in the movie. Only so, 175 which it, million, which I know, <laughs> which is good because uh, his uh, he has a he. They also optioned the rights for Armada. Am I right about that, M? Oh my God! Did they? You're telling me that's something new? No, no, I'm pretty sure here. Uh, you guys that's talk about talk about your talk talk among yourselves. There's a. Well, I have not read the book, but uh, the way you two uh, talk about it, it sounds like something I should I should put on my radar. Yeah, it definitely is. But there's some problems with the book, but it's good. Um, Maybe look at the audio. Yeah, yeah so it looks he, like. Yeah, here's what they here's what they say. Uh, Armada new screenwriter. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go. Yeah, the Universal moves ahead on Ernst Klein's sci-fi Armada movie, and that was as of April third, this month. Uh, following the box office success of Ready Player One, Universal has hired Dan Mazau Zhu uh, to write a new draft of its sci-fi thriller Armada based on Ernst Klein's 2015 novel. So. Um, I actually had more problems with Armada as far as the book goes than I had with Ready Player One, but I did enjoy Armada. But did you read Armada? I oh, I love that book. Yeah, I love that book. I listened to it right before one of the cruises, and that point it makes me cry. That point where um, Zach meets his dad. Oh yeah, and they have that. Will had me just. I was in tears, so I remember telling him. Um, I remember tweeting that when, cause I, I loved, there was a huge jump in his skill and his craft. Um, like he really got into this book, his storytelling, 
you weren't when you listen to the audiobook, it's not just some dude reading you a book. It's Will telling you a story. And when I saw him on the boat, I said, dude, it it just like I had to pull over because of the way he read Zach talking about seeing his dad again after not seeing him. And it was it was probably I don't know how old that book is, but it wasn't my my dad had died like not maybe the year before this book. So and like emotions for about that are always raw for me. But to have you did so well. I said, I will. I had to pull over. It was, it was, I, I love and appreciate how much you put into it. And he said, I was crying. I had people in this about in the booth crying. It was, it, there was, there's elements of the story that are, I love. Yeah. Well, and I think the good, I mean, when we talk about Armada, the thing that's good about this is that just like Ernst Klein is, um, help write the screenplay for Ready Player One. He's in, heavily involved in writing Armada too. So, mm-hmm. so the screenplay for it. So, so here's the hoping it's a different story, but uh, I think it's going to be good. It's really good. I don't like this synopsis that I'm reading here though. Zach Lightman has never cared much for reality. He vastly prefers countless science fiction movies, books, video games. He spent his life consuming so that's not a hundred percent. That's that's that is far too shallow of a statement. Well, it is. He loves them because his dad loved them. Yeah, and he he is fine with reality, but has so they're getting it wrong. It's the only place you can get a decent meal. <laughs> no, they're getting it wrong. No, they are. And it also paints an un, a a picture of people who like science fiction as being kind of shallow. So, mm. um, it's not because he's hiding from reality. It's that's how he connects with his dad. Right. So I need to, I need to write a letter. Dear Ernie Klein. Yeah. Write a better synopsis. And you should follow them because I'm an internet troll. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Cordially anonymous because this wonderful venue of the internet lets me say what I want to and not reap the repercussions. All Keyboard right. cowboy. <laughs> Keyboard <laughs> cowboy. Yep. Nice. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, we are about out of time. But before we go, let's talk a little bit uh, about the uh, Na interview. Now, you weren't there. You just missed it. Sadly, I couldn't yep. be And uh, em, you weren't there. You were sick right before yes. the Joko cruise. So you were sick. So you weren't there. But Dave Sellers and I had a chance to sit down with the Na mm-hmm. visitor in the side room of the restaurant. Is that where you did your interview on Miles with No, Matt? it was that um, – remember that big suite they had where we interviewed uh, Kevin Sorbo? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same suite. Yeah, no, this was different. This was off the restaurant. Okay. Um, and it was it was nice. We had a good time. And uh, Dave, of course, was totally in his glory because, you know, I am a Star Trek fan, but he is – a Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. you know, way more than I am. And so the fact that he was sitting across from the, the beautiful, you know, you know, Nina visitor. Was, yeah. Oh my word. Yes. And she was gracious, just gracious with her time and in answering questions and, and just absolutely wonderful. I, I didn't get a chance to be part of the interview, but I did meet her the, the following day and, and I had a very nice, you know, nice time meeting her and yeah. getting a picture with her. Right, and you haven't washed that shirt since. Nope. 
Oh, boy. <laughs> that is DNA going to replicate her in a few years. <laughs> why, do you, why do you think we are that weird? Miles and I are normal people. <laughs> Notice you said Miles and you. You didn't include me in that picture. Well, because you're... You don't talk about you that way. <laughs> Miles and I do when you're not around. Exactly. But, you don't... <laughs> but not in the podcast. That's exciting you got to sit with her. She yeah. was she's one of my favorite characters. She's one of the stronger female characters that just that doesn't get like completely vapid vapidized into the Star Trek world. Like she and Jed Zia. Like those two women. And then if I'm if if I am I think I'm right in this the actress who plays Jedzia who played Jedzia she is now I think she's married to Leonard Nimoy's son. You are correct. That's right. Yeah, yeah I saw How that. How cool is that? That just yeah. happened recently too. Yeah, within yeah. the last couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Wow. Anyway, going back to I, I she was she was great, and I especially loved. That when she the season when she when she was on and she was pregnant, she was yes. pregnant on the show and some uh, uh, the the Scottish guy's wife she was the teacher she her character got pregnant but then there was some horrible horrible like thing going on so they beamed the baby and the placenta and all of that stuff into 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 Nana's character Nana's character and she was pregnant. Like she was actually herself a human pregnant um, on the show, and that's how they covered it up. She was actually she was pregnant with um, the actor who plays the, the doctor on the show, Alexander Siddig's. Uh, oh yeah, was, they're was, married. They, they were married, uh, but that was their oh. you know that was their child. Um, so yeah, that's really funny. Mm-hmm. So they just <laughs> incorporated in the show. Yep. She was she was a trooper. Oh yeah. All right. Well, we're going to share our interview with the Nana Visitor. We're going to allow this to wrap up the show. We're going to allow this to wrap up the show. And then uh, we'll see you next week with our – we're going to be reviewing Wrath of Khan. We're actually recording it. Khan! We actually are just going to do that here in a few uh, few minutes, but you'll get it in about a week. And uh, looking forward to that. So we'll see you in just a little bit. And uh, I believe that's it from my end. All right, till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Do your dailies. Captain's Log, Stardate 51474.2. The Defiant has been ordered to investigate a rare subspace compression phenomenon recently discovered in Federation space. This scientific assignment is a welcome change from months of combat duty against the Dominion. Three of my officers are taking a runabout into the anomaly's vortex. The runabout and its crew will be subjected to severe spatial distortion, so we have activated a tractor beam to minimize the effect. So, uh, how small are they? The miniaturization process won't begin until the runabout reaches the edge of the accretion disk. I see. And, uh... Then they'll begin to shrink? Yes, sir. (laughs) Major, are you laughing at our investigation of this subspace anomaly? No, sir. The data collected here could provide Starfleet with the key to creating trans-warp corridors through space. It could give us a substantial tactical advantage over the Dominion. Uh, It's very important research. What? 
just because we are shrinking three people to the size of coffee cups. <laughs> Smaller, actually. I do not see what is so humorous about being small. Neither do I. <laughs> On screen. The visual signal's degrading, Captain. We have audio only. Go ahead, Rubicon. We're about to enter the accretion disk. I wish I were with you, old man. I'll send you a postcard. Tell Worf I look forward to hearing his poem. I bet it'll be inspiring. We'll talk again once we've left the accretion disk and reversed the effects of the compression. Rubicon out. Good luck, Rubicon. Hello, Sci-Fi Diner fans. I'm Scott Herzog with Dave Sellers, and we're here sitting with the lovely... Nina Visitor, best known for her work on Star Trek, but she's done many other pieces of film and television beyond that. And we're going to find out a little bit more about that here on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with us a little bit. My pleasure, guys. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, Star Trek Discovery has been recognized as kind of celebrating diversity and having strong female characters in the show, which they should. Uh, but Star Trek DS9 really blazed that trail 25 years ago uh, when they had an African-American man play the captain and they had you play first officer, who was definitely a strong but layered woman. When you first look back in that role, uh, did you have any idea at the time that Deep Space Nine was blazing kind of those new trails? We knew it was different and we expected it not to be accepted. And it wasn't at the time. Uh in in many circles it was it was a difficult pill for people to swallow and you know thank god for netflix and it being uh, accessible now uh serialization was also a tough thing and now that's the way people want to watch their television just you know in a block and uh the show works today as it really did uh 25 years ago but i think people are accepting it in a different way today that's true. And I didn't think about it up to that point. Trek was episodic. Yeah. And, uh, but when DS9 came in, there was a continued story. That's right. Wow. And that's blazed the trail. Babylon 5, too, may have also kind of blazed that trail a little bit, I think. Cause they were. Well, if you pull all the theory that the, the DS9 and Babylon 5 were, were completely almost the same kind of, kind of a show, but certainly one held much higher higher standard than the other one i believe yeah 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 absolutely um so one of my favorite cure centric episodes is duet mine too oh is it yeah is it? yeah uh, it took care to new places that were not at all uh cardassians that were enemies and some were good and noble people what was it like for you to experience highs and lows at cure's story arc throughout the show well you bring up duet that's when i realized it kind of hit me in the face I'm a racist. Uh, my <laughs> character was a Kira was a racist. And it, it, uh, and being able to delve into what that means, uh, and also to, uh, open that story up and she finds her way out of that hole. Um, it, it, that was one of the joys of the show. Wow. And you, you never, and what an applicable message for today. Absolutely. I mean, you look at what's happening in our culture today. That, that's, seems like we never learned sometimes, you know, but those are the lessons best learned in space on a space show because <laughs> right. it gives people a chance to have a little distance from the lesson and, and not uh, react so strongly to it, but maybe uh, have a moment to respond. Right, right. It's it's removed, but that's mm -hmm. what science fiction does that best. I science think. fiction does that. Yeah, absolutely. 
there was a lot of physicality playing your character, a lot of action, a lot of fighting. How much of those stunts did you perform and how often did you utilize stunt doubles to do them? I always did the stunts. It was rare that I had Patricia Tallman do them, but she was your stunt double. Yeah. But, um, you know, they don't get paid if they don't do the stunt, okay. whether it's used or not. Right. So I always made sure that, you know, that, that she did it as well. I didn't, I learned not to say, no, 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 I got this. Right, right. So that, you know, everybody uh, got a chance. And I'm sure there were uh, most times they used her her take. Oh, just because it was more solid or what? Uh, she was good at what she did. <laughs> oh, she just, was really good at what she and did. And that was her job. To yeah, do, but yeah. I learned in a series that I did subsequently not to do my own stunts, and I'll never do it again. I did a stunt with a <laughs> racehorse, and I got kicked in the head. Oh, yep. I'll never do it again. Oh, no, I was just wondering what, what, how many takes you had to go through and not actually hit Casey Biggs time and time again when you and Damar had your, the battles going on. <laughs> we, you know, we would practice our choreography a lot and it was stylized to, to a certain degree, you know, in that Star mm -hmm. Trek way. So it was easy to, um, not get hurt. I don't know when they're going to finish editing it, but I have certainly been involved in it. I'm sure. <laughs> um, heavily. I help raise money. Actually, the, 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 the people who donated money helped raise money, but I offered to cook dinner for people who would come to New York City. And we did that dinner and it was wonderful. Awesome. It was, it was great. And Terry baked cookies. We really kind of all did our part to make sure that this thing got, got funded and done and, awesome. and the fans were it's really their documentary because they did an incredible job of donating awesome so where are we, where should we where should we be looking for you in the future what shows well, i just moved back to los angeles so i do want to do tv again but there's a stage piece that i'm helping to develop that i'm really excited about but i can't tell you any more than that <sighs> I know. I wish I could. <laughs> so you're going to tease us. I that, know, that. <laughs> because you would really like this idea. But, um, yeah, it'll, it'll so maybe. So when it drops, yep. where, where should we be looking Twitter, for it? I, Twitter. Twitter. Follow I'll, you on Twitter. I'll, yeah. Follow me on Twitter. And then I'll visit her and, uh, I'll, I'll talk about it there for uh, sure. <laughs> drop it first. So as we wrap up the interview, it was DS9 celebrating 25 years. What do you take with you from that experience? Uh, I take everything. I take, <laughs> I take a child that I had during the filming. I take, um, pride. I take friendships and a tribe. And I take the, this huge private club that has membership all over the world that I instantly have something in common with the people of this, of, of a foreign land. We have something right away. It's, it's an incredible shorthand to have. That is awesome. Thank you so much for chatting with us here in the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. My pleasure. If you've enjoyed the conversation, the owners of this establishment would love to hear from you. Send your comments and feedback to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com or join our Facebook page at 
facebook.com slash sci-fi diner.